0: September 9th, 2007, days until the 6th anniversary of 9-11. Only five days earlier, German police arrested a terrorist cell plotting attacks on European and American citizens.
1: Once again, the world held its collective breath. Who was the next target? Nobody could say for certain.
0: Meanwhile, on US soil, a young, impressionable man crept out of the shadows of a concrete tunnel into the sunlight. He peered around, making sure no one spotted him. Just ahead, across a wide open field, was his target.
1: He knew what he had to do. His heart drummed in his chest so loudly he couldn't hear anything else around him, even worse, His hands were trembling and sweaty.
0: If his enemy caught sight of that, his cover might be blown. He balled his fists, stuffing them deep into his pockets. Hopefully, no one saw.
1: Inside his jacket, he felt the cold metal of his concealed weapon.
0: But it wasn't a gun or a bomb. It was a camera. If he could capture the secret coded language of his enemy, his comrades might gain an advantage. They were locked in a battle that had been fought on fields like this for over a century. Perhaps the intel he gathered would thwart a new offensive.
1: He moved into position, removed his secret recording device from his pocket, and took aim across the field.
0: And that's when a meaty hand gripped his shoulder. He turned to find two uniformed men standing over him. They knew he was a spy.
1: The young man pleaded his case. What was the big deal? He wasn't a CIA operative. He was just doing his job. He was a video assistant for an American football team. The American football team. The legendary New England
0: Patriots. but sometimes it's not.
1: You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify.
0: This is our first of two episodes on the dark side of America's most popular sport, football. Today, we're exploring a scandal involving one of the most famous teams in NFL history, the New England Patriots.
1: In 2007, New England was allegedly caught videotaping their opponent's defensive signals, which was prohibited by the league.
0: In this episode, we'll cover a brief history of the Patriots, a rags to riches story of perennial underdogs who transformed into champions. Then
1: we'll dig into the conspiracy theories that followed, like the idea that the Patriots were engaging in illegal surveillance, and the NFL was covering it up for them.
0: Or the opposite, using them as a scapegoat.
1: Regardless of who you believe, the scandal was a disaster for the league, even drawing the ire of top government figures.
0: And earning its very ominous name, Spygate.
1: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. with better help visit betterhelp.com/conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month that's betterhelp h e l p.com/conspiracy this episode is brought to you by anytime fitness
2: forget dark alleys and cemeteries for some the gym is the scariest place of all but it doesn't have to be
0: The New England Patriots. Depending on where you live, you may know them by various nicknames. Bostonians call them the Pats, the Patties, the house that Brady and Belichick built.
1: If you live outside of New England, you might know them as the Cheetriots, the Patsies, or the Evil Empire.
0: Regardless of what you call them, it's hard to deny the Patriots' dominance over the past two decades. Let's start with the stats. The team has six Super Bowl wins, tied against the Pittsburgh Steelers for the most ever.
1: Maybe even more impressive, they've made 11 Super Bowl appearances over the past 33 years. That is the most ever. The Patriots also hold 11 conference championships and 22 division championships.
0: In addition to those accolades, they hold the record for second most consecutive wins. Most wins in a season, most seasons with 14 or more wins. The list goes on.
1: But the Patriots weren't always a winning juggernaut. During the early years of the NFL, they were a struggling underdog. The biblical David to the league's legendary Goliaths, teams like the Dallas Cowboys and the Chicago Bears.
0: Throughout much of the 1970s and 80s, they lost a lot more games than they won. One of the few bright spots was in 1986, when they played in their first Super Bowl.
1: Except they still lost dismally to the Chicago Bears, 46-10.
0: A few years later, in 1990, they hit rock bottom. They only had one win out of 16 games. To many hometown fans, the Pats were an embarrassment.
1: In the 96 season, things improved. The team went back to the Super Bowl, but lost to the Green Bay Packers, 35 to 21. They weren't the worst team in the league anymore, but they still struggled from season to season.
0: As the millennium approached, things started to turn around. In January, 2000, they signed a new head coach named Bill Belichick. He was known for leading a strong defensive game and his relentless preparation.
1: Only a few months later, it was the Y2K NFL Draft. Here, teams pick the cream of the crop from college players. The Patriots hoped for a young star to lead them to glory, only none of their top picks panned out.
0: But far down the list, the 199th pick out of 250 players is where the Patriots found a quarterback from the University of Michigan a 22-year-old named Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr., better known as Tom Brady.
1: Brady wasn't considered a strong prospect. He was the second slowest quarterback in the 40-yard dash, almost a half second slower than other QBs. Plus, scouts said he had a poor build and he, quote, lacked physical stature and a strong
0: arm. But the Patriots took a chance on Brady anyway. Perhaps they saw something in him, a sparkle in his eye.
1: Or maybe they just wanted to round out their lineup. Either way, expectations were low for Brady at the beginning. The team already had a starter named Drew Bledsoe, who'd led the team to the postseason four times in six seasons. The Patriots also had several backup quarterbacks. Not surprisingly, Brady spent most of his rookie season on the bench. But a year later, in 2001, he caught a lucky break.
0: But it wasn't so lucky for the Patriots' starter, Drew Bledsoe. During the second game of the season against the New York Jets, the veteran was injured during an explosive tackle.
1: With two minutes left in the game, down 10 to 3, coaches looked to the bench. They had a few backups to choose from, but they selected Tom Brady to take over. It's unclear why he was the go-to, but the decision changed football forever.
0: The young QB hustled onto the field and took control. He threw his first pass, and it was complete. The wide receiver caught it for a gain of a few yards. His second pushed them forward another 10 yards. Then, after an incomplete pass, he scrambled for another 10 It was an impressive drive, but in the end, Brady ran out of time. He just couldn't get the Patriots close enough to the end zone to score.
1: The Patriots may have lost 10-3, but Brady won over the coaches with his poise and leadership under significant pressure. They were so impressed that heading into the next game, they named him the starting QB, which was a huge deal for a 24-year-old.
0: Next game, he went head to head against emerging star Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts, and this time they won 44 to 13. That was just the beginning.
1: Over the next 13 matchups, Brady led the team to the playoffs, a feat that likely seemed impossible earlier in the season. But the postseason was fraught with near disasters.
0: Like the infamous Tuck Rule game, when the Patriots battled the Raiders in a blizzard and nearly lost.
1: That matchup seemed graced with a divine intervention, one that may have added to the Pat's David versus Goliath mystique. It propelled their momentum through the rest of the playoffs, landing them their first trip to the Super Bowl in five years.
0: Making it to the big game probably felt like enough of an accomplishment. There was no way the Pats could win against the stronger, more experienced St. Louis Rams. They had a veteran QB named Kurt Warner and had won the Super Bowl just two years earlier.
1: Yeah, Warner was battle-tested and already had a Super Bowl ring, but Brady,
0: well, he was ready to fight. Perhaps his youth could be an advantage. There was just one problem. The long season had left him with a leg injury. Many wondered if Brady would even play.
1: But on game day, Brady suited up. Many thought it would be a St. Louis blowout, but the Pats held their own. With a minute and a half left in the game, the teams were tied 17 to 17.
0: The Patriots had possession of the ball, but no timeouts. Legendary NFL coach and pop culture icon John Madden announced the game on national television. He believed Brady would play it safe, run out the clock, and come back fresh in overtime.
1: But with the seconds ticking, Brady and the Patriots did the opposite. They stepped to the line of scrimmage and pushed on. Brady made pass after pass.
0: With seven seconds left on the clock, Brady led the Pats down the field to the 30-yard line. They were now in range of a long, fingernail-biting field goal that could win them the game.
1: As the final seconds expired, the Patriots' kicker launched the ball through the goalposts. It was good. Those three points put the Patriots on top, 20-17. to They'd won their first championship victory in franchise history.
0: With that came a new identity. They were no longer David battling Goliath. Now, they were Goliath. And everything else was about to change.
1: Coming up, the Patriots are accused of using video cameras and stolen plays to win.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some
0: February 3rd, 2002, the New England Patriots had just won their first Super Bowl. That year, Tom Brady became the youngest quarterback in NFL history at the time to win a championship.
1: During the broadcast, John Madden said Brady's performance gave him goosebumps, and the league agreed. They crowned the young quarterback MVP.
0: Suddenly, Brady was a hero, not just in New England, but across the country. The Patriots were seen as the scrappy underdogs who'd achieved the impossible. They appeared on morning news shows and late-night TV. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick became household names.
1: But it didn't stay that way forever.
0: In 2003 and 2004, the Patriots won back-to-back championships, making it three in four years. Only one other team had accomplished that, the Dallas Cowboys. To New Englanders, it was a dream come true. To football fans elsewhere, the squad transformed from humble underdogs to the evil empire. Sports
1: commentators were stumped by the impressive turnaround Prior to Brady, the Pats had only won their division three times over the last two decades. So how had they become so dominant so fast? The Patriots chalked it up to their relentless practice and preparation. Still, rumors swirled that their prep work was perhaps a little
0: too good. ESPN quoted a member of the NFL Competition Committee, They claimed league representatives were speculating the Patriots might be cheating. The rumors ranged from sneaking into opponents' hotels and locker rooms to jamming audio equipment during games.
1: Then there were allegations that the Patriots were videotaping other teams' defensive signals from the sidelines.
0: But nobody could prove it. In 2008, After a major ESPN report was released detailing these rumors and allegations, the Patriots issued a statement. In it, they denied what they described as unfounded, unwarranted, and quite frankly, unbelievable allegations. But back in
1: September 2006, the rumors had prompted the league's executive vice president, Ray Anderson, to issue a strongly worded memo to all teams.
0: It reminded them that any taping, including opponent's offensive or defensive signals, was prohibited, both on the sidelines and other privileged locations during the game. Watching tapes
1: of competitors wasn't anything new in football, or any other sport for that matter. Even high school football teams watch tape, coaches and players spend hours studying footage of their adversaries, Identifying patterns and weaknesses to get a leg up.
0: Pro sports teams like the New England Patriots actually employ a whole video department directors, cameramen, and assistants. They shoot, edit, and compile tapes from their own games and practices, games of other teams, and games of prospective players.
1: But as the NFL's 2006 memo stated, there were some spaces that were off limits for recording like other teams' practices, locker rooms, and sidelines.
0: Here's what it boiled down to. A team couldn't take advantage of its proximity to other teams to videotape their signals. Teams could use lip readers, notebooks, or any other method. They just couldn't use cameras. Now, this set the
1: stage for September 9th, 2007. The Patriots' season opener against the New York Jets, ESPN reported that, before the game, Jets coach Eric Mangini, a former protege of Bill Belichick, gave a vague warning to New England, possibly, about that memo.
0: They better not try anything. Is it possible that Mangini, having worked with Belichick before, suspected these were their methods? And maybe, if he called them out, New England would comply.
1: But it didn't appear to work, Because during the first half of the game, Jets staff spotted a suspicious figure on the Patriots' sidelines aiming a camera at their coaches.
0: It was 26-year-old video assistant Matt Estrella.
1: The Jets tipped off NFL security officials, who confiscated Estrella's camera and detained him in a room beneath the stadium. ESPN reported that Estrella was shaking so badly, he spilled a bottle of water.
0: Estrella was probably terrified of what would happen to his career. But looking back, he likely didn't know exactly how damaging this videotape would be. Not just to him, but to the entire team. News outlets dubbed the ensuing scandal, Spygate.
1: Which brings us to our first conspiracy theory that the Patriots were illegally recording other teams' signals to win.
0: Right out of the gate, the NFL took the allegations seriously. They knew the stakes. If it was true, fans might revolt. They would call into question the results of past games, including Super Bowls. Any
1: impact on future championships would be devastating to the league. As of 2022, the Super Bowl generates nearly $15 billion of consumer spending. Advertising revenue from the event stands at almost half a billion dollars.
0: With those numbers on the line, they launched an immediate investigation.
1: On September 12th, three days after the Spygate game, NFL commissioner Roger Goodell spoke to Bill Belichick for 30 minutes on the phone. According to ESPN's anonymous sources, Belichick explained to Goodell that he'd misinterpreted the rule about videotaping.
0: In a written statement the next day, Belichick added the Patriots, quote, never used sideline video to obtain a competitive advantage while a game was in progress, end quote. To him, it was just another form of watching tape.
1: ESPN reported Commissioner Goodell didn't seem satisfied by the explanation. The next day, on September 13th, the NFL slapped Belichick and the Patriots with the toughest sanctions used in the league at the time.
0: A fine of $500,000 for Belichick, $250,000 for the Patriots, as well as one or two less draft picks the following year, depending on their performance. It's worth pointing out, Goodell gave the penalties before the investigation even started.
1: Along with the punishments, Commissioner Goodell also issued an emergency order demanding New England relinquish all videotapes that concern signal
0: filming to the league. The Patriots' response came three days later. On September 17th, the Associated Press reported that Belichick offered to comply with the request. But they demanded league officials meet them at Gillette Stadium, the Patriots' headquarters.
1: It was a bold move for a team to dictate the terms when they were already in hot water. But within days, the NFL sent a trio of executives to the facility where they interviewed Belichick and other staff members. It's unclear if one of those staffers was cameraman Matt Estrella.
0: With or without Estrella, the investigation proceeded. The Patriots even gave these executives access to a locked room containing a treasure trove of material, scouting reports on opponents, videotapes of other teams' signals, along with detailed notes and diagrams, some dating back to 2000.
1: It's unclear exactly how cooperative the Patriots were during this process, but ESPN said an unnamed source characterized the team as borderline non-compliant during the process. After ESPN released this report, the Patriots responded and claimed none of it was
0: substantiated. We aren't sure exactly what was on those tapes or whether they were legally recorded footage or not. But NFL officials seem to conclude that it was only a library of scouting material, not an elaborate method for cheating.
1: And yet, there's no way to retroactively examine the tapes. Because, according to an unnamed source cited by ESPN, league officials stomped the tapes into pieces at the Patriots' headquarters. They were destroyed on site before anyone else could look at them.
0: It's important to point out the Patriots weren't the only team accused of illegally videotaping their opponents. In 2006, just one year before this happened, the New York Jets were allegedly caught holding the spy camera. And who was their target? None other than the New England Patriots. The
1: brouhaha didn't make headlines like Spygate, maybe because this instance had some differences from the Patriots' controversy. In this case, the Jets
0: had asked for permission to film and they wanted to shoot footage from the end zones, far from the sidelines. According to Jets coach, Eric Mangini, it was standard operating procedure to obtain another angle of the game. Even so, Patriots staff took offense to the recording and escorted the Jets' cameraman out of the stadium mid-game.
1: It's unclear whether the Patriots thought the Jets were spying on them or if they were just paranoid about cameras in general. Ultimately, the Jets weren't fined or reprimanded in any way by the league.
0: Either way, a year later, when the Jets turned the Patriots in for alleged covert filming, some fans wondered if it was payback for 2006.
1: There's no way to know for sure, but we do know that the Jets and Patriots weren't the only teams accused of covert surveillance allegations.
0: In 1998, the Indianapolis Colts allegedly used an earpiece that some suspected could be illegal. It was allegedly meant to help Peyton Manning during particularly noisy games, though the type of earpiece was never determined and no investigation was launched.
1: The following year, a Jacksonville Jaguars player claimed the Tennessee Titans supposedly stole the Jaguars' playbook. In either case, the allegations were never proven, but they lived on as legend.
0: A more recent example occurred in 2010, when a member of the Denver Broncos' video staff was accused of recording a San Francisco 49ers practice. In that case, the NFL fined the Broncos' head coach $50,000 for not reporting the matter promptly. It made headlines, but not to the degree of the Patriots' controversy.
1: So even though Spygate fell heavily on the Patriots, people suspected it may have been more common in the league. Bleacher Report quoted a radio interview with Dallas Cowboys coach Jimmy Johnson. He explained that the Patriots' surveillance tactics were, quote, exactly how he was told to do it by a Kansas City Chiefs scout earlier in his career.
0: Johnson ostensibly admitted he'd tried stealing opponent's signals in Dallas, but it hadn't worked. Of course, we can't confirm he actually did attempt it, and there were no sanctions, as far as we know.
1: As for conspiracy theory number one, that the Patriots allegedly cheated to win, I think it holds water. The Patriots were just doing what any fan with a telephoto lens or NFL red zone package could do. I mean, many of those signals are broadcast on TV, free for anyone to see and decode. The Patriots were just the only ones to get caught.
0: I don't know. For me, the allegations of taping opponents' signals seems a little petty. Watching tape and recording games from many angles is just so embedded in the football tradition. It's hard to tell what's cheating and what isn't.
1: Well, you aren't the only one to think that. Soon after the league announced the end of the investigation, it sparked outrage from a powerful U.S. congressman, Arlen Specter. Suddenly, Spygate was a government issue.
0: Coming up, Mr. Goodell goes to Washington.
2: Hi, it's Stephen Colbert.
0: Now, back to the story.
1: On September 9th, 2007, the Patriots had been caught allegedly videotaping the defensive play signals of the New York Jets mid-game, marking the beginning of Spygate. Eleven days later, the NFL announced the investigation was closed and their executives supposedly destroyed the tapes.
0: The League assured everyone the Patriots had not benefited from the videotaping. Punishments were handed out, and Patriots staff said it would never happen again. The case was closed, at least for the League.
1: For others, like Senator Arlen Specter, the case was far from over. For him, it seemed very suspicious. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number two that the NFL covered up for the Patriots' wrongdoing to protect the league's image and financial
0: interests. It might seem strange for a congressman to fixate on something like football, but as we've seen, the NFL is a billion-dollar industry. If there were alleged cover-ups going on, Congress had oversight.
1: Besides, football was practically a religion in Spectre State of Pennsylvania, home to the Philadelphia Eagles and Pittsburgh Steelers. If their fans weren't happy, Spectre was going to fix
0: it. As the former head of the Senate Committee on Intelligence, Spector was well-versed in espionage, and he wasn't a pushover. He was known to butt heads with monoliths like the CIA.
1: So when Senator Spectre voiced concerns about the Spygate investigation, well, the league was right to be scared. If he forced Goodell, Belichick, and others to testify before Congress, it could bring down the whole sport.
0: Before it got to that point, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell agreed to meet with Spectre in private. On February 13, 2008, Goodell sat down with the senator for almost two hours, explaining the league's findings and why they moved so quickly.
1: After the lengthy meeting, The league and Roger Goodell were put on notice. Specter wasn't convinced by their explanations.
0: Yet others from his state were more forgiving. The Steelers issued an official statement saying they considered the tapes a non-issue. In their opinion, the recording of signals had no impact on games, and they fully supported Goodell's handling of the situation.
1: The most obvious way the NFL could have helped the Patriots and themselves was by issuing a speedy investigation. And the fact that it only lasted a week and a half made some feel like the league had swept the issue under the rug.
0: The New York Post quoted Brian O'Leary, a sports commentator and author of Spygate, The Untold Story. He pointed out, the NFL takes three or four days to investigate a dangerous tackle, Whereas, they closed the case on Spygate after almost the same amount of time.
1: The Post went on to quote O'Leary as saying, In this case, they had a team that potentially stole three Super Bowls and they issued a verdict in four days. Does that sound like the NFL was trying to get to
0: the bottom of anything? Beyond the speed of the decision, there was also the scope of the investigation. From what was reported in the news, it didn't seem like the NFL even interviewed the alleged spy, Matt Estrella. He should have been able to shed some light on what was happening, but the Patriots and the league kept Estrella and much of the proceedings under wraps. And
1: it wasn't just the investigation that seemed hasty to outsiders. let's circle back to those punishments Commissioner Goodell doled out to the Patriots. The ones that happened before the investigation even started.
0: It's worth noting the fines were tough. They were the league maximum at the time and the stiffest penalties the NFL had ever mandated. But it left fans and sports experts wondering why the league didn't wait for the full investigation. It seemed they were rushing the matter, maybe even trying to cover something up.
1: There was also disagreement about the harshness of those penalties Even though the fines were the toughest in league history, many felt they were a slap on the wrist.
0: A half million dollars is a lot of money to the average person. But to Bill Belichick, who in 2007 was estimated to make between six and eight million dollars a year, and Robert Kraft, the billionaire owner of the Patriots, it was a drop in the bucket.
1: Plus, it was solely financial. Why wasn't Bill Belichick suspended? That was a common punishment in sports.
0: That was probably what Dallas Cowboys coach, Wade Wilson, was thinking. Barely a week before Spygate, Wilson was suspended for five games for taking human growth hormone, a banned substance in the league. And he was a coach, not even a player. When asked about Belichick's punishment, Wilson said there seemed to be a double standard and major inconsistencies.
1: For Wilson and others in the league, Spygate was a bigger issue. It called into question the integrity of the
0: game. On the other hand, there were others around the league who seemed to think the opposite. John Mara, owner of the New York Giants and rival of Belichick and the Patriots, said the fines were appropriate, especially the loss of draft picks. Mara claimed, quote, you can survive your coach being suspended a couple of weeks, but losing a number one pick is far more devastating.
1: It's possible some NFL insiders backed Goodell's decision because there was so much money at stake. ESPN quoted ex-Rams coach Mike Martz, saying a longer investigation could kill the league. Perhaps they circled the wagons to protect their cash cow.
0: It's not a small cow either, more like a golden calf. Sportico, a sports news site, estimated that in 2022, the NFL generated $10 billion in revenue from lucrative broadcasting rights, which is shared amongst the 32 teams.
1: On an individual club level, income varies from team to team. According to Forbes NFL team valuations, the Patriots make a staggering $600 million per year. In 1994, when Kraft purchased the Patriots, they were worth $172 million. Today, that same Forbes data shows they're valued at over $6 billion.
0: Figures like that put the stakes of Spygate into context. It's unknown if or how much of a financial impact the scandal had on the league or the Patriots, but it could have been millions, even billions of dollars
1: and it's possible commissioner goodell's lenience on the patriots came down to another factor good old-fashioned loyalty
0: when spygate occurred goodell had only been commissioner for about a year he'd been a career nfl employee starting out as an intern and working his way up the ranks according to espn his rise to the top was partly due to his friendship with robert Kraft the owner of the Patriots.
1: Not only were the two buddies, Kraft also served on an elite group within the NFL, the Compensation Committee, at the time a three-person team that decided on Goodell's
0: annual salary. I hope you're sitting down for this. Goodell now gets paid close to $64 million per year, based on reporting from the New York Times. So, it's very possible that Kraft's power over Goodell's swayed his judgment.
1: So, when it comes to conspiracy theory number two, that the NFL allegedly participated in a cover up, I think there's a ring of truth to it. Perhaps the punishment didn't fit the crime, but that's because there was just too much money at stake. The NFL may have been protecting football's cash cow. You have to admit, it seems really suspicious.
0: If anything, I'm suspicious about this theory. If the league wanted to cover up Spygate, it could have been handled internally behind closed doors. Instead, the NFL opened the process up to the public. They announced the investigation and the punishments. They didn't have to single out the Patriots in the public eye, but they did it anyway, which actually brings us to conspiracy theory number three
1: that the Patriots were singled out, even scapegoated, because they had become such a dominant team.
0: We'll make this quick, but let's dial back the clocks to February 3rd, 2002, the Patriots' first Super Bowl win. At the time, they were seen by many as the scrappy underdogs, led by a young, fresh-faced, non-athletic quarterback.
1: But after winning back-to-back championships in 2004 and 2005, they transformed, in many fans'
0: eyes, into that evil empire. From the Patriots' perspective, they were likely trying to protect what was theirs. Just two days after the Spygate scandal, ESPN quoted Robert Kraft as saying, when you're successful in anything, a lot of people will try to take you down. His
1: words had a ring of privilege, but also truth. People in the media may have jumped on the scandal and used the opportunity to sell a lot of newspapers and advertisements. As we're all told, there's no such thing as bad publicity.
0: In February 2008, months after Spygate was considered closed by the League, the New York Times published an article about Arlen Specter's concerns. Embedded in the piece was a quote from another former video assistant of the Patriots named Matt Walsh.
1: Walsh didn't state specifically what he knew, but the Times quoted him as saying, I guess if you're doing something that people suspect you of and you start doing it to your former assistant coaches, then you're pushing your luck.
0: Walsh's statement was cryptic and didn't directly implicate the Patriots in any wrongdoing but it was the hint of impropriety that caused the floodgates to reopen.
1: Sports reporters wondered if Walsh was the smoking gun on the Patriots spying. There were calls for him to testify in front of Congress, and many wondered if Walsh would be the one to bring down the evil empire.
0: Media outlets were split on Walsh's motives. The Boston Globe interviewed a former coworker of Walsh's who characterized him as a disgruntled former employee trying to cash in. On the other hand, ESPN portrayed him as a bystander caught up in the furor of Spygate.
1: The NFL likely realized this was another powder keg waiting to explode. To defuse it, they brought Matt Walsh in for
0: questioning. After months of bargaining, he agreed to meet with league officials Even more intriguing, he planned to turn over tapes he'd saved from his brief stint with the Patriots.
1: In May 2008, Walsh surrendered eight of those tapes from games between 2000 and 2002. At the same time, he sat down with Roger Goodell for over three hours at NFL headquarters.
0: But according to Goodell, neither the conversation nor the tapes yielded anything new. They just added to the allegations that the Patriots had been videotaping for longer than they claimed. For many in the league, it was an anticlimactic end to Spygate. When
1: it comes to conspiracy theory number three, and that the Patriots were singled out, I think there could be some truth to it. The team steamrolled the competition and was unapologetic about it. That probably garnered lots of animosity and enemies.
0: I think all the conspiracy theories we've looked at today have a bit of shock value in entertainment. They're meant to rile up fans on both sides of the field, sell newspapers and enthrall TV viewers with a story of good versus evil. Because at the end of the day, that's what football's all about, entertainment.
1: Even though Spygate temporarily damaged the reputation of the Patriots, they weathered the storm. The controversy didn't stop them from becoming one of the most legendary teams in the league. The Patriots 2007 season, which started with the monumental scandal, was one for the record books.
0: They won all 16 games of the regular season, plus two more playoff games, taking them to their sixth Super Bowl, their fourth in seven years. Tom Brady was named most valuable player of the season.
1: They tried to make it a perfect season, 17-0, but they lost to the New York Giants in the closing minutes of the Super Bowl. The game was, at the time, the most watched in history, with 97.5 million viewers in the U.S.
0: It had to be a heartbreaking loss for the Patriots after the events of the season, but it was also probably vindicating. They proved they could dominate, videotapes or not. Over
1: the next few years, the Pats struggled to regain their excellent standing. In 2008, they didn't make it to the playoffs. In 2012, they returned to the Super Bowl, losing 17 to 21 to the New York Giants.
0: Then in 2015, they became entangled in a new scandal, another with a catchy name ending in gate.
1: Only this time, It seemed NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell had had enough of the Patriots' antics. Perhaps he planned to make an example of them once and for all.
0: So next time, we'll examine another embarrassment that rocked the NFL and threatened to bring down the Patriots and their star quarterback. That's right. We're talking about Deflategate.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
0: Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story.
1: And the official story isn't always the truth.
0: Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ryan O'Leary-Jones is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Adam Silva, edited by Mallory Cara and Lori Marinelli, fact checked by Kevin Johnson, researched by Bradley Klein, produced by Bruce Gotovic, and sound designed by Anthony Valsic. Our hosts are Carter Roy and me, Molly Brandenburg.